You know, God warns us what will happen if we fail to follow his lead. That's the lead of God. And it becomes very important as we study today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for joining us and being a part of this as we look at Jeremiah 4 through 6. Let's study this and, and learn what God is showing us. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at siege warfare that's prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 6. Ryan? Well, yesterday my segment was all about Jeremiah the man. So today my report is all about Jeremiah the book. It's coming up in about 20 minutes. Excellent. Very good. What did you do, Jen? It's our fun Friday wrap up because it's Friday already again. So today I'm going to ask a question based anywhere from Isaiah 51 through to Jeremiah 6. I hope you've read and are studied up. All right. Let's open up our Bibles and learn what Jeremiah 6 tells us today. Jeremiah 6, verses 1 through 10. O you children of Benjamin, gather yourselves to flee from the midst of Jerusalem. Blow the trumpet in Tekoa, and set up a signal fire in Beth Hecarim, for disaster appears out of the north and great destruction. I have likened the daughter of Zion to a lovely and delicate woman. The shepherds with their flocks shall come to her. They shall pitch their tents against her all around. Each one shall pasture in his own place. Prepare war against her. Arise and let us go up at noon. Woe to us, for the day goes away, for the shadows of the evening are lengthening. Arise and let us go by night, and let us destroy her palaces. For thus has the Lord of hosts said, Cut down trees and build a mound against Jerusalem. This is the city to be punished. She is full of oppression in her midst. As a fountain wells up with water, so she wells up with her wickedness. Violence and plundering are heard in her. Before me continually are grief and wounds. Be instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from you, lest I make you desolate, a land not inhabited. Thus says the Lord of hosts, They shall thoroughly glean as a vine the remnant of Israel. As a grape-gatherer, put your hand back into the branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Jeremiah 4, Jeremiah 5, Jeremiah 6. These chapters are great reading the Bible through in one year, which we're doing, and I hope you're staying up with us. But today we're going to focus on Jeremiah 6, 1 through 10. It's a very interesting one. You know, it seems to me that few people in Western nations these days bother to listen to the Word of God, the Bible. 
And I, I believe that the reason we are in the state we are in today is because we, we've drifted from the Lord by ignoring his word. And those of us who know this and adjust our prayer lives and discipline our time to read the Bible, to know and word, learn God's word, to seek the Lord, trust in him. Well, we have better states of mind than those who reject the word of God completely. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because he cried over the people of God who lost their way. Now, it's easy to lose our way when we do not pay attention to the Bible. Today, we will read and study Jeremiah chapter 6, where the prophet speaks what God tells him. No doubt Jeremiah was not excited or happy for the words that he would share, the words of the Holy Spirit, beloved. We need to understand that. Now, uh, take your Bible guide if you have one and turn to today's passage. If you don't, why not? Call us or write to us. We'll send you one. And you can go to Bible Discovery TV, BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the Bible guide. It will take you to a donate page. And may I say thank you for your donations. We're not going to tell you how much to donate. The Holy Spirit will do that. We trust the work of the Holy Spirit in you, Father. I pray that you would speak to the people in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. And then it'll take you to a page where you can download it just as we have printed it. So it's very, very important. The word of the Lord, the word of God. You can get it on your iPad now. You can get it on your phone or whatever. The word of God is so important, beloved. Father, I pray today that we would hear what Jeremiah said to your people. Jeremiah was a prophet who lived nearly 3,000 years ago. And yet what he says is so relevant today. Help us, Father, to hear you. And we're not going to read into it what we think. We're going to read from it. Change our hearts, Lord. Help us today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said, Lord, make it so or amen. 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 All right. Jeremiah 6, 1 to 5. Here you go. Oh, you children of Benjamin. Gather yourselves to flee from the midst of Jerusalem. Blow the trumpet in Teoka and set up a signal fire in Beth Herakim. For disaster appears out of the north and great destruction. I have likened the daughter of Zion to a lovely and delicate woman. The shepherds with their flocks shall come to her. They shall pitch their tents against her all around. Each one shall pasture his own place. Prepare war against her. Arise and let us go at noon. Woe to us, for the day goes away. For the shadows of the evening are lengthening. Arise and let's go by night and let us destroy her palaces. Wow, this is intense, man. God warns us what will happen if we fail to follow his lead. If we fail to follow his lead, God warns us. Beloved, we must repent and change our ways to avoid the judgment of God. Let me tell you something, beloved. You do not want the judgment of God. Well, we avoid that judgment by bringing our lives to Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. And by doing that, God gives us his righteousness. Isn't that amazing? Something that I'll talk about further in just a moment. 
We go to chapter six and we begin with verse six. It says, for thus has the Lord of hosts said, cut down trees and build a mound against Jerusalem. This is the city to be punished. She is full of oppression in her midst. As a fountain wells up with water, so she wells up with her wickedness. Violence and plundering are heard in her. Before me continuously are grief and wounds. Be instructed, O Jerusalem, lest my soul depart from you, lest I make you desolate, a land not inhabited. Now, this is important. We are a people who fall away from Christ. We do, because God never changes. He's always the same. He never changes his mind or his ways. Beloved, we repent to God because we are the problem. Let me tell you something. I just will tell you what I believe. Because I came to know the Lord 46 years ago. And I want to tell you something. I can honestly say without a doubt, 100% of the time when I had problems in my relationship with God, and when I did, they were my problems. God very gently showed me his Holy Spirit changed me. And God helped me to overcome my problems. He's always been right. And he always is right. Beloved, when you see a perfect God and you invite him into your life to be your Lord, things change. It becomes very, very good. Well, let's go on because we have to read this. Jeremiah 6, 9 and 10. Watch this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they shall thoroughly glean as a vine remnant, the remnant of Israel, as a grape gatherer. Put your hand back into your branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Who? Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised and they cannot give heed. Behold, take note, the word of the Lord is reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Oh my goodness. The word of God speaks to us about our life and troubles today. But we often do not listen. We often do not listen, beloved. We must make time to read the Bible and apply it to our lives. Beloved, as a pastor, you know, I teach uh, and I, I am invited to churches and I go around and speak where I can. And, and the truth is that you preach, but you're not sure how much people actually hear or actually get. And there are people often who come to church and listen, but they're not really listening. They're focused on what they were talking about before that. We must come and listen to God, praise God, and listen to God. What is the Lord saying through his word? And let me ask you this question. We've been studying the word right now, the first 12 verses. What is he saying right now to you? God is speaking right here, right now. What is he saying to us? What is he saying to me? What is he saying to everybody listening? We need to listen. Now is the, we don't need to do, you know, social media, radio, and everything else wants us to talk and tell what we think, but we need to listen, not to what other people think. What, what does God say? What is God saying to us? We don't formulate what he's saying by what we want. We formulate what he's saying by listening to his word, reading it on your iPad or reading it, the word of God on your phone or in a book, most published book in the world. 
We need to listen to what God is saying to us, the whole book, front to back, beginning to end. That's what we need to do today because that's how God instructs us every day that we live. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. So today you and I are going to be taking a look at ancient siege warfare because this is, is exactly what the prophets of God were saying was going to happen to the fortified cities in Judah, was going to happen shockingly to the city of Jerusalem as well, uh, that it would inevitably be destroyed after a siege. And Jeremiah chapter six specifically talks about Jerusalem being under siege, but just quickly to set us up for Jeremiah chapter six, Jeremiah chapter five lets us us know what's going to happen. It says, with the sword, this is um, the last half of verse 17. With the sword, they will destroy the fortified cities in which you trust. Yet even in those days, declares the Lord, I will not destroy you completely. And when the people ask, why has the Lord our God done all this to us? You will tell them, as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your own land, so now you will serve foreigners in a land not your own. So essentially, your fortified cities are going to be destroyed and there's going to be an exile, a deportation. And the culmination of this is found in Jeremiah, again, chapter six, where it talks about Jerusalem coming under siege. So let's take a look at what that means. From very early times, people have found it necessary to build walls around their living spaces. For cities, these protective fortifications could be quite elaborate, including double wall systems with steep space between to provide a defensive advantage, moats, towers, complex gate structures, and thick wooden metal-covered doors. But just as people worked to fortify their cities, others worked to find ways of destroying them. There were several ways of trying to compromise fortifications, but none was so dreaded than the most obvious, a siege. When an army would attack a walled city, they knew that this battle could last for years, and so it was an expensive, logistically challenging, physically, mentally draining process. A siege essentially imprisoned the citizens of a walled city, giving them two choices, surrender now or face thirst, starvation, and death. Historically, when an invading army finally did break through the defenses of a walled city, major atrocities were committed. Sometimes years of anger and hatred had developed before the excited frenzy of success, resulting in mass murder, abuse, and at best, enslavement. To imprison the citizens inside of their own walled city, an attacking army would set up a perimeter around the city using ditches and moats and building walls and towers. The army would camp and live around these new fortifications. No one or thing could go to or from the city. With these preparations complete, they would begin attacks against the fortifications themselves. 
these attacks were varied. Sappers would attempt to collapse walls by digging tunnels underneath using wooden support beams. When they believed they were at the right location, they'd set the support beams on fire to cause the tunnels and hopefully the wall to collapse. While the sappers were digging, others would attack the walls at strategic locations using battering rams with blades to pry between brick and stone. Fires could be set against the walls with hopes that the great heat would eventually begin to crack and compromise them. Gates were also attacked with battering rams and fire, though once through a gate, the military would often have to deal with a tight, winding, defensive space and sometimes a secondary gate. Large ladders were also used to simply scale the wall. And while this was a dangerous business, when used all together, these strategies could be effective in breaching defenses and at least in lowering the resilience of the entrapped citizens. As for defenses, a city was largely reliant on its height advantage. From the wall, they could shoot arrows, throw stones, pour hot liquid, try to set fires, try to dislodge battering rams with chains, but often what would stop a siege was out of the city's control, a contagious sickness in the attacking army, a military emergency elsewhere to draw them away, or that the enemy would have overestimated their economic ability to last. So as Jeremiah continues to prophesy the destruction of Jerusalem in Jerusalem and, and to the people of Judah who would be direly affected by this, he always comes back in with God's word about how this could have been averted. And I wanted to read to you Jeremiah 6, verses 16 to 18. It says this, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore, hear you nations, you who are witnesses, observe what will happen to them. So, so we see God's call to his people for them to return to him over and over and over and over and over again. And now, unfortunately, it's reached the point of no return. And God is going to be faithful to, the, to that remnant who was trying to follow him in Jeremiah's day and age. And we're going to get to that as we continue reading through the book. Years years of speaking God's word to them, and they didn't hear. Mm -hmm. Years. Absolutely stunning. Really, really interesting, right? Yeah, well, if you recall yesterday, to begin the book of Jeremiah, we did a profile study on the human author of the book, namely Jeremiah. But today, I want to focus on his book. So my segment today is sort of an introduction and overview of the entire book. Check it out. Although the book of Isaiah has more chapters, in actuality, Jeremiah is the second longest book of the Bible, next to the Psalms. It is the only one of the Old Testament books that tells us some details of its origin. According to Jeremiah 36, Baruch, the scribe, had written a first version at the dictation of Jeremiah. The scroll was read first in public, then again for the state officials and for the king. Furious at the contents, King Jehoiakim cut the scroll piece by piece and fed it into the fire. Undaunted by the evil king, Jeremiah dictated a second and enlarged edition of the first book to Baruch. What's interesting is that the structure of the book is not based on chronology or form. The confessions of Jeremiah are scattered through the various chapters. Oracles of hope sometimes interrupt the stories about Jeremiah. 
words against kings and prophets often appear to be independent collections. The complex nature of the book structure is further complicated by evidence from the earliest Greek translation. There, the oracles against foreign nations are in a different order. This suggests a long and complicated process of collecting Jeremiah's words. Nevertheless, his prophecies proved accurate, which is the hallmark of a true prophet of the God who declares the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Significantly, the book of Jeremiah contains some scientific allusions as well. For example, Jeremiah 10.13 and 51.16 proclaim that when God utters his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. A beautiful yet scientifically sound conception of the atmospheric phase of the hydrologic cycle. That is the process by which water evaporates, condenses in the clouds, and then returns to the earth as precipitation. Notably, though an adequate scientific description of the hydrologic cycle evaded scholars till only a few hundred years ago, the Bible here, and in several other places, described it thousands of years earlier. The book also boldly proclaims that God will cast off all the seed of Israel only if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath. A clear and accurate scientific allusion to the utter vastness of the universe and the great depths of the earth. Yet perhaps one of the most important lessons we can learn from the moving book of Jeremiah is that faithfulness to God is costly. Probably no other Old Testament prophet suffered more than Jeremiah did. He was rejected by his own priestly father and stoned by his friends on the streets of Jerusalem. Jeremiah knew imprisonment many times and was later called a traitor by the country he loved. Tradition says people who tired of hearing his prophetic pronouncements finally stoned him to death. The book of Jeremiah truly is remarkable, and although he faced great opposition and adversity, he remained faithful to God's word. I'll tell you what, if we think that we have it bad, just think about all the hardships that Jeremiah went through. You know, there is an old African proverb that says that a speaker of truth has no friends. Well, Jeremiah was a prime example of that. He was such an incredibly faithful man of God. You know, he was, and he didn't speak good words. You know, he wasn't telling people, oh, it's going to be great. You know, go get this and go get that. But he was speaking the judgment of God. Yeah, the truth. He was telling them, you know, this, you're not right. So you need to get right with God. That was not popular. No, not at all. <laughs> and today we have this similar Still situation. Not popular. Still not popular. When we talk about God and what God's telling everybody to do, it's not popular. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, it becomes important now, thanks to the partners, because uh, they keep us alive and they've got us on Roku and internet and all of that. Uh, and we've got a few more uh, places, we're on uh, Star TV and some of the others, but we can be seen by a lot of people and we have to make sure that we actually uh, tell the truth. And the truth is that Jesus Christ is Lord and he came and he died for our sins and rose again. And if you want to accept him, you can do so by calling on his name and saying, Lord, I need you in my heart. Help me, forgive me of my sin. In Jesus' name, amen. That forgive me of my sin is the hard part. Nobody wants to say that because everybody thinks they're so great. That becomes a problem. Very, very interesting. Good pieces.
Uh, Janice? Well, we do have a little bit of time for those of you that are new viewers uh, that Corey does with her husband, Matlock, on the weekends. Yeah, so every Saturday morning we release a video on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Corey Babechko, and it's a chapter-by-chapter -chapter recap of all of the assigned reading for that week. Uh, the idea being we know it's a big chunk of scripture and some weeks are harder than others. You know, everyone's got busy schedules, so if you've fallen behind in your reading, tune into that video uh, um, that's released on that Saturday and uh, we'll get you caught back up so that you can not continue to fall behind in your reading. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very important. Uh, okay, Janice. And there's a lot the of information, isn't there, right now when yes. we're going through the Old Testament and yes. especially with the prophets, there's just so much to digest. So I know that a lot of people are very thankful that you and Matlock do that. So... And I know that there's a lot of people that really enjoy our Friday questions. I get texts and I get emails and I get letters. Greg, get ready, Greg, because <laughs> Greg's a great guy. I mean, mm -hmm. I, he I is indeed. He's, mm -hmm. We watch hockey together. He's a great guy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, go ahead. Except our season is over now for hockey, but that's well, all it right. It'll be coming around again. All right. Here is our question. I'm looking Ryan and Corey, and you viewers at home, I'm looking for a specific word here. Okay. A specific word, okay? Mm -hmm. Because all three of these work. Okay. All right? So, according to Isaiah, we are the clay, mm -hmm. and he is our potter, redeemer, father. And of course, for those of you who are at home, brand new to the Bible, I'm talking about God here. So according to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah says we are the clay and God is our, is he our potter? Is he our redeemer? Is he our father? So what do you two think about this one and yeah, you at home? We're, we're pretty confident about this one. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we're going to go with number one, potter. Number yes. one, potter. And if you agree with that one at home, then you are absolutely right. You can check me out on that. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay, and you are our potter, and all we are the work of your hand. Amen. That's great. Good I, job. I love that. And uh, he uses this analogy several ways. And of course, this is perfect, and it's exactly what God is trying to tell us. So let's keep that in mind. And even when we become Christians, we need to maintain and retain the idea of repentance, because that's very important for our lives. Well, we need to pray today at the end of the program. And as we do, let's pray this way. And I'll pray for myself and I'll pray for you and join me in prayer. Father, I pray today as we focus our mind on you, as we look at you, we need to hear you. We need to listen to what you're saying. We need to read your word and pray your word in our prayers. 
Help us, O oh God. Help us to memorize and meditate and learn. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.